Welcome back to another episode of Tribe Talk. It's a bit weird, although it's not a bit weird because usually a lot of the interviews I do are via Zoom anyway, so I'm used to kind of looking at somebody's face through a screen. But now because it's the only way that we could physically have an interview, it suddenly feels a little bit weirder. But there's no one else I would rather be doing this with because I have good old Liz Morris back with me. Yay! Hi! <laughs> I think I think we're on podcast, this is podcast number three of us together it now. It is number three. Um, I don't think of it as a podcast, it's just a chat, it's a catch-up. <laughs> I know, and we've been kind of saying for ages that we wanted to do a podcast and kind of talking about sobriety because obviously yes. I've just reached my one year goal and yes. you are also pretty far into mm-hmm. you know your own little personal journey so I thought it'd be really fun to because I have actually had quite a lot of guests come on and talk about like their experience of being sober and yeah. and things like that but I think it's a conversation that doesn't really get boring because there's different versions of I think everybody, everybody's experience of it is different and I think everybody's reason for giving up <clears throat> alcohol is different yeah a hundred percent um that's why it's interesting that's why that's why it doesn't get old is because it's there's no one rule fits all mm, definitely so I guess first thing probably is like how are you how is lockdown for you yeah do you know what I've never been busier which I didn't think would happen. Um, so that's good because I think when lockdown was announced for me, and I think for most people not working, I know that that can have a massive impact on my mental health. So I think that was the first thing that concerned me about my own personal experience of it was, um, how, how it would affect my mental health. Um, but luckily as a writer, you can, you can work from home you can work anywhere really um and there has been quite a lot of need for writers so I'm in an all right position yes I'm finding it it's claustrophobic it's groundhog day every day um you know there's things but I just feel overwhelmingly lucky with my situation so I can't complain I do complain but I shouldn't I can't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how are you I, well yeah no I think like just a note on what about complaining like, I was saying the the day that like it's okay to like not be okay and I know that's yeah. the whole like mental yeah. health thing but actually like yeah. it really applies in this as well because yeah we're incredibly lucky you know we've we've got enough space so that we can be in separate rooms we don't live in a one-bed flat um we've got a garden we're by green space so we can take the dog out yeah. physically we're well um and obviously that is a lot that's that's absolutely precious yeah but it's okay to moan about it and I think there's a lot of people feeling really guilty 
I think absolutely feeling... are feeling guilty because it's like well I can I can eat so I shouldn't complain I think that's actually a very basic thing to have to feel grateful for is being being able to eat and we should do that you know every day we should be thankful but uh, you know what we're being asked to do is completely change our usual way of life and whatever our usual way of life is as soon as that changes and it's beyond your control it does have a massive impact on your on your mental health I think or yeah. at least it's it's difficult to kind of um adapt very quickly to a very unnatural situation hmm. so I think you know I think ha- like being able to say, oh, I'm having a shit day, even if it's like to poke fun at the fact of it, just do it because yeah. guilt is one of the most useless emotions that we can have because yeah. it literally does nothing for us. It just makes us feel worse. So and I tell you, in terms of guilt, something that I just keep hearing and I'm totally feeling myself is um, eating. I'm mm-hmm. hearing so many people saying oh my god I've eaten so much today I can't stop eating all I'm doing is looking in the fridge I'm constantly snacking I'm constantly I've put on so much weight da, 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 da. Uh, you know same me too I and you know feeling guilty for not using this time to do something amazing like reach your goal weight or to kick certain habits or to do something really constructive I think there's so much guilt around that as well that people feel like they're failing in this time where all we are required to do is survive a hundred percent and I think like going to the whole food thing it really hurts my soul to see people doing that and I understand it because a lot of the time when you can't control things around you, one of the easiest things to control is food or the way you look. Yeah. And it is a coping mechanism and it's a coping mechanism that a lot of people with eating disorders do, but also it's a coping mechanism that a lot of people that may not have a disordered eating relationship with food. So a lot of people are obviously like turning to food as a way to cope and as a controlling mechanism. And it's quite a natural thing for us to do. Like, so for example, literally just now, um, Alan's been told some stuff with work, which could massively impact us. And it's a little bit scary and stressful. And we were talking and as we were talking, I caught sight of my face in the mirror and I was like, I've got like a chin underneath my chin and I need to sort this out because it's really like, and it's what our brains do. Like we literally go, okay, all this mad stuff is happening that we can't control and we're stressed about. I've gained a little bit of weight. I can control this, you know, yeah. and yeah. it's a natural thing for us to do. So I think it's, it's important not to beat ourselves up about the fact that maybe we are, you know, talking about the fact that we're eating too much or, or whatever, but it's when it gets negative, that's when we need to yeah. kind of take a step back and just go, look, okay, breathe. Am I being too harsh on myself? Am I using food as a way out? Mm. And is there a better way that I could be talking to myself? Yeah. Um, which I think is really important for us to do. Yeah. I can, Everyone yeah, does I can it. Agree. In fact, this mor- I, I, found myself, I found myself this morning, um, my boyfriend had made some Bakewells yesterday, which were amazing. He'd put them on this um, a wire rack, you know, a cooling rack. 
iced them and there was icing had dripped through the rack and was on on the kitchen side and I went down this morning I found myself eating icing off the side because I didn't I I gave myself such a hard time over I was like I'm eating icing off the kitchen side I've gone mad what am I doing but I just needed I felt like I needed some sugar at that moment I was like oh there's some scoop and he caught me he saw me do it and then I thought oh my god now he's gonna think I'm an absolute fat pig I'm gonna have to justify this I'm gonna have to apologize you know and doing all those things where I think this behavior this behavior is I don't know whether it's because we're in an unnatural situation and it's just making us feel like we're going crazy or whether that's just a completely normal thing to do I don't know I'd probably say that's pretty normal okay. to do. Is if, like, if you've got some icing on the side, have a little, have a little taste. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I think like it is, it's a really hard one because we kind of have to like, there's two sides of it. There's, you know, the side that you shouldn't like demonize food and there's the side mm-hmm. that you shouldn't like go to food for that comfort. But on the yeah. other side of it, you know, food in our culture is a comforting thing. You know, you sit and you have meals with your family and there's like a, a society view on like it's your birthday have a piece of cake yeah but it's just we need to make sure that we're not we're not making excuses for ourselves to treat mm-hmm. our bodies badly with food yeah. but we also need to make sure that we're not harming our mental health by demonizing the way we are eating mm-hmm. because things are a little bit different so i think it's about finding your balance really definitely i think it's just boredom as well isn't it you know eating is something that can momentarily provide you with a bit of joy. Mm. And I think at the moment, everybody's everybody's just a bit bored, mm. which is an awful thing to say, because there's people who are out there fighting and um, doing everything they can to save us all, and people are complaining about being bored. Mm. It's like, what a luxury to be bored. But actually, you know, if eating a cake can provide you with a bit of a buzz for, for five minutes... <laughs> then fuck it Uh, I I mean I guess this kind of fits into what we're going to talk about a little bit because I think for both of us if this was a year ago well over a year ago we'd probably both be going I need a bit of a buzz I'm bored I'm going to open a bottle of wine where's the wine do you know what I really had this feeling last night I don't know whether it's because I knew you and I would probably really to, you know talk about it quite a lot of length today um or I was sort of having conversations with with friends who were talking a lot about that they're drinking more um in fact almost everybody that I speak to so oh god I, I can't believe how much alcohol I'm getting through feeling guilty about it same as you know saying the same things that we that we've just been saying about food um boredom needing something that's a bit joyful take your mind off of things um and then there's habit you know you've got more time to practice that habit, I guess. And I was sort of thinking last night, this whole lockdown isolation scenario would be very, very different for me, I think, if alcohol was involved in it. Mm. Because I don't know where the off point would be. So I guess where, what, what, made, you, what made you decide to kind of take a break? Well, I, about five years ago, I think it was about five years ago, I stopped drinking for six months. I thought I just wanted to kind of just see what happened. I think my mental health wasn't, wasn't great. I'd had 
a bad night out, something like that, and thought, all right, I'm just going to see if my life improves without it. Um, and I think it did maybe a bit. I, I don't think at that point, I think at that point I had it across my mind, maybe this will be forever. Maybe I will never drink again. But I don't know if I was committed enough to it or I don't know if I felt it was serious enough or I didn't maybe hadn't done enough research and reading and listening about it to kind of keep going with it. But basically, I think for me, alcohol, for as long as I can remember, has always been present in in my life. I grew up in a pub, so being around drunk people is totally the norm for me. Um, never really saw my mum and dad drunk, um, but I think just that atmosphere. I remember from a really young age loving the smell of beer. It felt like home. So the smell of beer, a beer-soaked mat, you know. Um, yeah, the long towel thing. Yeah, the smell of one of them to me smells really comforting. And that's just because I think I had a really happy childhood. So I associate that smell with good times. Mm. Um, so I think that's one thing for me where alcohol has just always been very present. I've always been really aware of it. <clears throat> um, I started drinking socially when I was really young. I think sort of the first time I was drunk, I think I was 11. Um, and I remember I got so ill. I was so ill, but I can remember thinking that was really exciting. I loved that and I can't wait to do it again. So I think from the get-go, alcohol was always, for me, something that you drink to get drunk. And it took a really long time for me to then appreciate a glass of wine, for instance. And I think that does come with age. I do, I do think appreciating the, t- the actual taste of alcohol is certainly, it's an acquired taste, isn't it? Um, so I could certainly appreciate, you know, a nice glass of wine. But for me, it was just the limit you know knowing when to stop also knowing why am I drinking um and it became it just became too habitual for me um and it just so happened this was about coming up for six months I think five maybe five months ago I'd been drinking wine since lunchtime and it got to the evening and I hadn't eaten anything I'd just been drinking all day but it was one of those scenarios where, you know, when you, your, your glass is just being topped up. So you don't have any kind of reference of how much you've had. Um, and by the end of the night, I was just so dry. I don't remember, you know, I didn't remember going to bed, completely blackout, drunk. And the next morning, I just thought, I don't ever, ever, ever want to feel like that again. Mm. I don't want to ever wake up and not know how I, go, how I went to bed. Were you out? or were you in like were you with people I was with my parents okay so I was actually with my parents and some of their friends and um so I think for me that was a safe environment Mm. you know didn't have to worry about being out just very much so ultra relaxed that I didn't have to think about how much I was it just wasn't a thing yeah until it was a thing um 
And so I actually said to them the next day, I don't remember going to bed because we were all staying in a big house. It was an ama- amazing, we had such a good time, apart from the fact that I just didn't remember going to bed and it really, really bothered me. Um, and I said to both of them, I think I'm done with alcohol because I didn't intend for that to happen. And I think that's what, that's what worried me is that at no point did I want that to be the situation and it felt completely out of my control because mm. I never chose for that to happen. Everybody else, everybody else there can go, no, I've had enough. No, I'm feeling a bit drunk. I'll stop. Um, I simply don't have that off switch. Mm. I think I've come to that conclusion now, I'm nearly 30, and I've come to the conclusion I just don't have an off switch. Mm-hmm. Or if I do, it's rare. Had you blacked out before? So many times. To the point where I think I probably got to my mid-twenties and thought it was that was just what happens when you drink, you black out, you know? A night out isn't a night out unless you blacked out. Um, Drinking means you don't remember. And I think, yeah, to me, that was completely normal. Until I maybe started having those conversations, maybe, maybe when I decided to give up that first time, having those conversations about, okay, what is, what actually is everybody's experience with alcohol? Because you go on a night out and you assume everybody's had the same experience because Mm. you will next day, oh, this happened and that happened and it's great. I was sick. I blacked out. Da da da. But I think it just takes time to, and you know, growing up a bit to realise that's not, that's not how it should be. Certainly not every time. Mm. Yeah, when you're younger, it's like a competition, isn't it? It's like, yeah. oh my God, she was so hammered, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then it gets to like, it gets to a point where it sometimes, I mean, it depends what your friendship group is like as well. I think um, my best friend has always been quite responsible. Mm. Um, so I mean, she she will go out. She loves to go out and socialize and have a drink, but she will kind of be really sp- responsible with it. Whereas mm. I won't go. I used to go out, and there was no off switch. And yeah, like I was saying this yesterday. Um, there's been a few moments. There's probably three moments in my drinking life that I blacked out, and I was ashamed to have mm. blacked out. And one of them was at our friend's wedding. And I'd drunk and gone. I mean, there's probably more than three, but like recent memories, there's three. Yeah. Um, But I'd gone there and it was the first time that I'd met my best friend's boyfriend, really. And I don't remember anything I said to him. Apparently I was a total prick. And I woke up the next day and I had to apologize to my best friend. I had to apologize to her boyfriend. I had to apologize to Alan um, I didn't know what I'd said, so I didn't really know what I was apologising for. Even you saying these things is just making me, it's giving me anxiety thinking yeah. about that situation. And it's still, and this was, mm. I mean, this was probably four, four years ago, five years ago. Mm. And it still makes me, I feel, still feel like I need to apologise to my friend, even yeah. though I have done it. But because I don't remember what I'd said, that was, that's the issue. Mm. Um, the second one was my wedding day Mm. um my the very end of my wedding day I don't really remember it I I went to bed and Alan went to go and hang out with my best friend and her boyfriend and I was asleep like that makes me want to cry because I had the best day in the world and I just like like alcohol alcohol stole it from you it stole the end of it and even though it is the very end of it 
and when everyone was slowing down anyway i i don't remember part of my wedding day and that is horrific to me yeah um and that's probably the one that hurts the most but the yeah, the, yeah. One, the one that made me realize that the enough was enough was the last time i drank and i knew that i was going to stop drinking anyway um but the day before so two days before my the 22nd of april last year so two days before my birthday i has i was at home um I didn't have any work on and I was like, right, I'm going to cook a really nice meal for Alan and I'm going to put my makeup on and I'm going to get dressed up and I'm going to feel really good about myself, really sexy. And, um, because I've got a big confidence issue when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I started, I had a drink while I was getting ready and then of course that carried on and carried on. And so by the time Alan got home, I don't know what happened. I don't have any memory. I think I was probably just asleep, but I woke up the next day in full makeup with my hair done and I didn't remember anything. And I, I was just like, I can't do this. I'm near like, you know, I was nearly 28 at the yeah. time. I was like, I can't, this cannot be my life because it's causing so many problems. But when you're younger, you just think, oh, it doesn't matter if I black It's just the way that it is. Yeah. Hmm. God, I really, really identify with that particularly that last one because that is so I think that's where when you're on your own and you because I've definitely done that before where I've drank on my own and then thought what the hell happened what happened I've you know I've definitely done that um and it's really it's sad and I, I I feel sad for you with that about that situation that you just described. But I think before I would have beaten myself up about it and the way mm -hmm. I would have dealt with it would be like, oh, I, I'll just prove that I can drink fine. So I would have carried yes. on for yeah. maybe a couple of months and just had a couple of glasses of wine and mm -hmm. then, you know, that'd be fine. And then I'd end up blacking out probably another in another few months. Like Exactly. Do you know what? I'm exactly the same where I've thought, that was like me the last the last time when I woke up and I just thought the on, the only way to guarantee that this never happens again is to cut alcohol out completely forever mm. because I it, it got got to a point where I thought I I'm it's not in my control I don't I don't get to decide when it's a bad one it so seemed. did you approach have you approached this then with I'm never going to drink again or have you given yourself a time? I'm supposed to. I know that in terms of, they say you're not supposed to go, I'm doing this forever, because that can be too daunting. But that morning when I woke up, I said, I am never drinking again. I'm never doing it again. Um, and I still feel like I really want to do that. Because, don't get me wrong, I, particularly with, being in lockdown and in this situation probably every day I think oh my god I'd love a glass of wine but just a glass I'd really love just a glass of wine I'd also probably love to be really drunk actually if I'm honest mm. I'd love to feel that I think again out of boredom just because it would be something to do mm. something a bit of an escape a bit of a you know no a buzz 
but it's just not worth it. It's just, it's not, it's not worth it. So I think I'm still very much at the moment. Yeah, this is, this is me for forever. I'm under no illusions that, you know, life happens and things change, but at the moment, that's how I, that is how I feel. That's the plan. What about you? See, mine was, I'm going to do it for a year. Oh, now you've kept going. Because, but I always knew I was going to keep going. Yeah. But it was more acceptable for everybody else for me to say. Yeah. If it was, it's a lot, it was a lot more acceptable for me to say, I'm going to stop drinking for a year as a challenge than to say, I think I have a problem with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I still like, I've been to, I've been to meetings, like mm-hmm. a meeting to like yeah. see how I feel about it. I've been to, you know, I've been reading lots of stuff. I've been talking to people. I'm really quite open about it, yeah. but I don't feel like I can say I am an alcoholic. Does that make sense? What do you think about that word? Cause I listen to, um, there's a really good podcast called recovery, happy, recovery, happy hour. And, um, I think even the word recovery for me makes me go, eh, it was a bit strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt <clears throat> when I first decided to quit, I thought I need as much help here as possible because I don't know, I don't, nobody else in my life has given up drinking. So I need to be constantly reminded you're doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing. So I listened to as many podcasts as possible, read books, watch stuff, all of that. Um, but this recovery happy hour, um, the lady, I can't, I can't remember her name actually, but she always asks her guests, what do you think of the word alcoholic and do you identify with it? And I think the thing is the word alcoholic, generally we associate with somebody curled up under a bridge with a paper bag, you know, drinking out of, out of a bottle. Um, that's how you, I, I think that's kind of what we identify with that word, that negativity kind of, of it. total negative connotations. Um, whereas actually there's so much, it's such a gray area, you know, alcoholism is so massive that if you, you could argue that if you get in from a hard day at work and you go, Oh, I need a glass of wine. That's alcoholism. Mm. If you are overjoyed with something you think let's celebrate and you know needing to have that alcohol to enhance your celebrations is that alcoholism um drinking out of boredom is that alcohol you know however we use alcohol and whatever we use it for where does acceptable and i guess i'm doing air quotes normal end and alcoholism begin Mm. I think that's that's what's tricky because you've got alcoholism and then you've got alcoholic. Alcoholic, you think rolling out of bed in the morning, drinking a glass of wine, having a beer at you know ten a.m. Like it's not necessarily that. It isn't necessarily that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would identify as an alcoholic because I can, you know. there's been many many times in my life where alcohol hasn't necessarily been a problem or I haven't thought definitely need alcohol well I think it's for me it's very very circumstantial if I'm particularly not quite right 
mental health wise I think alcohol certainly plays into that or comes in so they sort of go hand in hand mm. um the way that I am with alcohol definitely depends on where I'm at mentally in in that moment I, I, I don't know mm. the, but the word alcoholic I, I don't know I don't yeah. know how I feel about it I and that's how I feel like because mm-hmm. I think if you ask anybody what an alcoholic is they will give you a very specific person and I definitely would like when I was younger because I had alcoholics in my family not like close family but you know and they weren't very nice they were quite abusive they um it was it wasn't nice to be around them and there we had some horrible times Mm. so there was that real negative connotation and then you've got the the second factor of what you think an alcoholic is which is somebody who drinks every day somebody Mm. who drinks in the mornings and like that wasn't me yeah I think if you go into like you said if you go into like where the line is everybody's line is different so for me if I was going to say that that means I'm opening myself up to people's negativity and judgments of me but you know what I find weird for me I find it easier to identify as an addict Mm. than an alcoholic because if I look at my life I was addicted to food and then I was addicted to smoking and food and then I was addicted to alcohol and smoking and food and then the food element you know I found that recovery but then I still had the alcohol like it's there's something all the time in my life addictive tendencies I would say I would completely completely agree with that as well did you feel like when you when you managed to tackle your food addiction or your control of food did you feel like once you'd kind of managed that did something else come in and replace it do you feel like it always has to be something because that's how I kind of feel yeah so I I obviously when I when I had my eating disorder I was really I had depression yeah I was really really depressed when I started to come out of my depression I got anxiety so I always feel like there's one thing after the other and I think with my eating disorder I, I nearly like when I was depressed, especially I was drinking a lot Yeah, and I, I was like, I was putting my body through absolute hell. Yeah. Um, and when the eating disorder kind of, I, I, you know, I got a handle on it, I was able to like manage it and the drinking got better, but it was still a part because everybody drinks. It's a part of your life, yeah. you know? Yeah. But do you know what the truth of the matter is, is that even though I've been in recovery for my eating disorder for years, I haven't felt free until I stopped drinking. That's really interesting. Like I I may not have been doing any of the behaviors. I may not have been necessarily restricting food, um, but I didn't, I, I still felt like there is still this addiction that I'm just, I've transferred to something else now. That's and it really, hasn't been yeah. since this last year that I've actually gone, you know what? I feel free. Yeah. That's an amazing feeling. That's a, that's a life-changing feeling, I think. Hmm. I sort of feel like that at this very moment, I've um, quit nicotine just over three weeks ago. And by nicotine, I don't mean smoking. I haven't smoked for a really long time, but I've been horrendously addicted to nicotine replacement 
therapies for probably about five or six years. So the gum, um, lozenges, patches, spray, anything, nicotine, vaping. I was vaping for a little bit. Um, anything with nicotine in it. I have just, I, that is an addiction that I have just found so difficult to part with. And in the last three weeks, okay, the first, the first 10 days were horrendous. I think I was probably the worst, the most, I was just a bitch. I think in the first 10 days, I was an absolute asshole. But I'm coming out of it now. And that is the word, it's feeling free. I don't feel, I am not panicked about running out of nicotine gum. Mm. Doesn't, I, it's, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, might be developing a sugar addiction though. <laughs> we we always seem to have to replace it with something else, don't we? Yeah. I swear, my um, off the side. I swear that my I swear that my neighbours smoke weed, and I every now and then I just stand outside and I'm like, <laughs> gotta get my fix of something. <laughs> something. I'm I'm addicted now to smints because these are you know, a little bit like um, nicotine lozenges because they come in a little thing and I can open it and pour them into my hand and click it shut. Like mm. things like that, things that are habitual with your hands and, you know, doing something. Yeah. So it's great because I've always got really good breath. <laughs> <laughs> she says putting one into her mouth. <laughs> Put one in there. How is, um, um, how is, like, how are the people around you reacted to like you deciding that you're not going to drink it do you think that they thought that you would just do it for a bit and then get bored and then go back to it or do you think that they on board this time I say this time it's only ever been I've only ever twice in my life said I'm not drinking again and that was about five years ago I gave up for six months and this time I think I think everybody that was close that is close to me a could see that I was really serious about it and have been so so supportive I could not ask for better support my support network is amazing and I feel incredibly lucky for that b I think the overwhelming response from all those people was thank fuck because we don't ever want to have to deal with the emotional, it's this emotional offload every single time. I feel so guilty. What have I done? What have I said? I'm so sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, and genuinely, it was like alcohol wasn't just causing me a problem. It was causing my family and my friends a problem. Maybe not, to be honest, not so much in the last, in the last few years, but it took, it took that one time about six months ago for me to go all right that's I don't ever I never want this again even if this is hap- even if this is way less than it used to be I don't want this feeling ever again um and at, actually that was it as well I had because I was I was staying in this house so we were in London and I was adamant that I was going home I was like no 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 don't worry I'm gonna go home I'm gonna I'll get the tube and I basically was telling my parents, they could see how drunk I was. And I'm telling them, 
I'm going to get, I'm going to step out of this house, walk to a tube station, get on a tube and then walk home. And for them to see me like that, cause they'd, they'd come to sort of visit in London and we were staying with some of their friends. And I, I think for them, they were just like, does, does this happen? Do you do this all the time? Do you get on a tube blind drunk? And the answer is honestly, no. In fact, probably never. Definitely not on my own, at least. But I think it only took that one, that one time for, and I was pretty intent on doing that. And if I'd done that, well, you know, something really, really bad could have happened. Mm. Um, and that's no joke. That's not, that's not even a, oh, you know, maybe that's a little bit over the top. I was, foot, my intention was to go home. Um, you just and put also, yourself in dangerous situations as well, <laughs> don't you? Like, yeah. <clears throat> I've run home once, yeah. more than once, many times. I mean, I don't, I haven't gone out in bloody years because yeah. I'm not that, like, but when I was younger, I'd take my shoes off and I would run Me miles too. Me too. What is that about? I don't even fucking like running. <laughs> <laughs> I have done, yeah, so many steps. Like, you just run, like, I, I just had to get out of town and I would run. But, oh I, but also, like, I mean, there was one night where I was so bad, I started running and I, I floored it, absolutely floored it. And the paramedics had to come. And then the police took me home. Yeah. And, you know, like you put yourself in all these stupid situations that you would bloody never do. Um, but, but, you, but you obviously will do them because you've done them and you've done them more than once. Yeah. It's, um, I think that's a thing. I think that's it, is that when you've done those things more than once, more than twice, more than three times, when those things become... When it gets to a point where you do those things and nobody bats an eyelid and everyone goes, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's Liz or that's Emily. Then it's a problem because that is some, that's a behavior that's, it's, um, it, it begins to define you. Mm. And I do think there is something in living up to narratives that people put onto you or that you've put onto yourself growing up you know if you were always the most drunk you become that person and it is like living up to a character um you know people's night uh, everybody's night was just a little bit boring if you weren't if you weren't the one that was completely smashed out of your face rolling around on the floor mm. you how, know how does it affect your relationships um or alcohol has, has definitely affected my relationships in the past definitely um and i'm in a relatively new relationship at the moment where alcohol has never even touched this relationship and i really don't ever want it to mm. because i think there's something about being completely sober where i know for instance if there's an argument i feel like I can, I know what I'm talking about because I know that I'm completely sober or I know that what I'm saying comes from total truth. I know that I, I can rely on myself a lot more to, um, I'm saying how I really feel. I know how I really feel. I know who I am. There's just a, a level of confidence of what I'm saying. Um, there's just less bollocks. Yeah. 
bullshit, less nonsense. Um, you know, and I'm not the easiest person at the best of times, especially <laughs> when alcohol's involved. So at the moment, it's um, an absolute godsend, I think, that alcohol doesn't exist in, in my life. But also my relationships with my with my family and friends. I wouldn't say they've changed, but I think I know that I've given them probably a big sense of relief that they don't have, that's a worry that doesn't exist in their lives anymore. Because mm. it has definitely caused, caused, caused them worry, definitely. So what, what were the things that kind of helped you? Like, were you, did you, did you read anything that kind of really changed the mm. way you thought or did you? Yeah. I've said this before, I think, in our, um, previously, I read <clears throat> this, the book, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, but it wasn't until about a year after I'd read that, that I decided to quit. I read it at a time where I knew alcohol was creeping back in and being a problem again, but I was not ready to give up. I wasn't ready to admit this is a problem. And I think it's because I didn't, at that point, I was very mentally not great. And so at that point I really relied on alcohol for, um, I just really relied on it, I think, um, for many reasons. But I read that book knowing, I, when I read that book, I knew I will one day be somebody who doesn't drink. I just wasn't ready at that point. Um, that was a massive help. Then once I quit, one of the best podcasts dedicated to um, people who have, who either want to quit alcohol, who already have, who, you know, even people who are, um, if you're related to somebody where alcohol is, you know, affects somebody that you love, um, the recovery happy hour, I couldn't recommend that more. It's just, you know, just chatting with people who are, who have quit drinking what their experience is, why they've done it. Um, I'd say those are the two kind of constants that I always go back to with, with what's helped. And also talking and being open, accountability. So I put something on Instagram about quitting drinking and I never ever wanted to, I'm not a massive Instagrammer to be honest. I'm sort of social media at the moment. I'm kind of deleting the apps every so often because I think it's, a tricky one at the moment social media but I did put something on Instagram for that kind of that accountability of well I've said it out loud so now I can't go back and I think doing that sometimes at a moment where you feel a little bit weak like oh god I feel like I could go back um doing something where you you know do th do things that mean okay I can't I'm, I'm too proud to go back on my word you know mm. um because I know what's good for me and I know what's bad for me. And it's, I think it just takes a, it takes a long time to learn, to learn those things. But I just, I know that alcohol just does not enhance my life at all. Mm. Never has. Just get to see like the bigger picture of it mm -hmm. all really as well. And like, mm -hmm. I think I, I took a such a different approach to you. So I think it's really yeah. nice actually to, talk to you about like how you yeah. have gone through it because I was kind of I didn't tell anyone really 
I didn't want to announce it. I didn't say anything about it on social media for a while because I yeah. didn't know if I could do it. Yes. That's that really like, and I think that's part of the reason why I said a year, because then mm -hmm. I can be like, well, I'm doing it for a year. And then that gives me the way out afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, um, like now, cause, so it was coming up to a year and I've kind of known that I was going to not like not drink again because mm -hmm. I, life is better basically like yeah. it's just yeah. better and my relationship is better my husband likes me better like it's yeah it is just i mean it wasn't that he didn't like me but like i, I like it like we said i was a fucking nightmare to live with sometimes yeah now you can stay awake and cook him dinner and i can remember <laughs> the films we watch and like yeah. food doesn't burn um yeah. i'm still clumsy as fuck that's something we have discovered that's right that's yeah, like nothing you can do about that yeah honestly like we we had um we had my he cooked me a really lovely like uh chicken and chorizo salad for my birthday and nice. we were just getting ready for a zoom quiz it was all really fun and i was like right okay went to get the lap trays out just put the lap tray down and then was like oh crap picked it up and white balls just flew everywhere because no. i had put the lap tray on the ring and of course it burned through the the um burned through the fabric like an in an instant started to burn through all the balls and the balls were just everywhere and we were, I, I was like i stood there going i'm so sorry i'm so sorry like, and alan was lit and alan hates mess he freaks out <laughs> so much but because it was my birthday he couldn't say anything <laughs> oh my god it was a nightmare so yeah i'm still really clumsy um but generally he likes me better uh, yeah. but I'm not doing stupid shit like that but um yeah. I it, so it's coming up to this year and one of the people that has made the most impact on me is actually Michael Maisie um and over this past year he's been such an incredible like support it's crazy yeah. and we were talking and I kind of said I did it as a year but I kind of feel like this just should be my life and yeah. that was when he kind of suggested, why don't you go to a meeting, <clears throat> which was really scary. And when, I haven't... Was it uh, sort of Zoom. locally or...? It was Zoom. Oh, it was a Zoom one? Mm hmm Yeah. Wow. Um, and I didn't... I was umming and ahhing about it. And I thought, I don't know if I want to... Because that's another, like, statement. If I've been to a meeting, then I must identify myself as you know mm. an alcoholic or an addict and that puts a finality to the all of this this is no longer an experiment this is i am you know it's a defining moment yeah <clears throat> and it scared me because then if you drink again there's a, a failure exactly yeah and yeah. then i failed and or mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i relapsed which is the word yeah. that i hate the most terrifying um, word yeah it's terrifying and obviously like i have been in the position to have relapsed a few times yeah. in my eating disorder and i know how scary it is so um so yeah i spoke to alan about it and he was really supportive and he yeah. was like why don't you just go like you don't have to say anything in these meetings you can just be and you can hear from other people and like it, obviously he didn't know that to that extent but he was just like just go and see yeah. and if you don't like it you don't have to do anything and him kind of making it okay made it okay 
so I went and it was it was a really interesting experience and I don't know if I'll go to them in as like a habit thing I don't know they're quite um led quite religious that's Um, what put me off religion heavy yeah yeah Yeah. that's that's what put me off and it's I'm not there I'm not I don't I didn't feel like I was there but when I was in amongst all these incredible people yeah talking I was like I feel seen even though I'm not talking even though you know this isn't about me in any way I feel like I'm seen yeah which was really it was just a really interesting experience. I can't say how many people were on it. It was a big one, really. So, yeah, there were fifty. Wow. Um, so it I, was. I'm really interested in that, actually. I think it's worth a go. Like, yeah. I don't think there's any shame in it, and I think that's the problem. I thought there was shame in it, but there's not. Yeah. No, God, no. I don't. I, I think. Um, I, I feel quite past those feelings. I think I was past those feelings a long time ago, even probably before I decided to give up alcohol. I was quite quite vocal about the fact, like, yeah, I'm a bit of a nightmare when I drink. Alcohol's a problem. Um, I quite like being vocal about it. I find it really um, empowering mm. to be like, yeah, I, I don't drink because I'm a nightmare when I drink. You know, if people say... Actually, someone asked me the other day, oh, you're not drinking because you're pregnant. I was like, nope, it's because I'm a dick when I drink. <laughs> like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've had to do, I've had to do a couple of them. Like, are you pregnant? No, I'm just a twat when I drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not growing life. I'm trying to maintain mine. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I do find it empowering. It's something, it's, interestingly you can become addicted to not being addicted to something and I think that's quite an interesting concept in itself Mm. it is very empowering have you found people trying to justify themselves on why they drink to you like if you if you say oh don't drink do they go yeah Yeah. um and I heard something very interesting that if anyone questions why you don't drink or sort of um if you tell somebody you don't drink and they go oh cool do you want a cup of tea then or can I get you something else and it just doesn't it's not even a thing they're you know they don't have a problem with alcohol this is just a, a general theory if you tell somebody you don't drink and they question it and they quiz it or they try and get you to have one or they ask you you know if there is a goading or then a justification of why they drink and da da da. You think, you know, there's a possibility that that person might have a bit of a problem. That could be a very sweeping statement. It's just something that I heard and I did find very interesting. I think, I think there is some element of truth to it. Um, but I think it's also probably <clears throat> because it's such an accepted thing as well in our society. Like, yeah, because of that, I think so many people have a problem with alcohol because of don't know it, just don't know it or don't think it's a problem because well, everyone's the same. Mm. Doesn't mean it's not a problem. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that like, I'm quite careful because my thing is always like my choice to not drink is not a judgment on you 
Like no, it doesn't. Never. Me not drinking is not a way of saying you're wrong or you're like you've got something wrong with you because you drink. Like and but people take it like that, and that's why I think they justify it. Um, yeah. So I'm really careful about not preaching too much about why you shouldn't yeah. drink. I think if somebody wants to find out why they shouldn't drink, do the reading, do the research. You know, you. I think most people that will read into it will probably have like take a step back at least, if not yeah. stop. Yeah. So I'm not here to 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 say to people you should all stop drinking because your life will be a hundred percent better. But no. I and 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 I've always no, been. That is necessarily the case for everybody. For some people, alcohol is great. A hundred percent. For some people, alcohol means they have a better time. Like, and they can wake up in the morning, no consequences, great. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing, good for them. Like, like there's no, I think having, like having that lack of judgment is really important. And I've always yep. been quite similar when I've been talking about like my stuff when I do my fitness. Because I'm yeah. really careful to draw the lines and make sure that there's no shaming happening. Yeah. You know, if people want to do Pilates with me, great. If you, if you don't like Pilates, that's fine. I'm not going to sit here and say, tell you that your life is going to be so much better because you... Oh, do you know what I mean? It's just the wrong way to do things. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's... I think that's something that I've learned and it's something that I will stay conscious of because... Yeah. I don't want to shame or put any judgment. If, if what I'm doing inspires somebody else, then great. I was actually really surprised at how many, when I, if I've told somebody that I don't drink, I'm always pleasantly surprised with how many people go, oh, I, I really want to do that. How do you do it? What do, what, how, where do I start? I always find that really um, encouraging because I think, I think we might be, shifting out of this idea that everybody has to drink all the time you know as a nation mm. I think people's mindsets are changing and yes. I think I think that has to happen because like I said I think so many I think alcohol causes so many problems for so many people but people don't think it's a problem because it happens to so many people so it just seems like the norm mm. and it isn't it's not it's or it it's not um none of us should have to be a victim of this drug that is just so readily available um, and encouraged and celebrated. We shouldn't have to be victim to that. We, you know, we don't have to be. Mm. I I had a few people say to me like, I just love a drink. I, I couldn't do it because I just love a drink. And yeah. my response was like, Mate, I loved a drink. Why do you think I stopped <laughs> drinking? Like, yeah. kind of the point. <laughs> Yeah. But no, I like I agree with you and I think that um I think when maybe like in the nineties, like you remember all the ladettes? Yeah. Like, women drinking was like a fuck you to men because we were yeah. like we can drink as much as we like. But I think that there is an element of people kind of waking up a little bit more with this rise in mental health awareness, people are starting to put two and two together a little bit. And I'm gonna be I'm really interested to see what happens after this whole pandemic because I think our mental health, I think we're going to have a mental health pan pandemic, to be honest, because people are sitting in and drinking more than they would normally. I'm finding, this, I'm finding that this is taking enough of a hit on my mental health without alcohol. I cannot imagine how I'd be feeling right now 
if I'd got drunk last night and I was sat here with a hangover. Mm. But it's a coping thing again, I think. And I think that's what worries me. Like, I know I said, like, I'm not here to, like, tell people what to do, but I think that's something that people should probably look into themselves and ask the question like am I drinking more than I normally would just because Mm -hmm. I'm locked in like is Mm -hmm. this helping me am I feeling better for it or and just that very very basic fact that if you feel like shit alcohol is going to make you feel shitter Mm. maybe not right away but it that's just fact yeah 100% as it's been a really nice chat with you yeah you too. We need to do, we need to do a whole one on uh, smoking. Yeah, and being ginger. <laughs> we need to do a ginger one. I know. You, when you messaged me saying we need to do a podcast on being ginger, at first I was like, huh? <laughs> but the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like... There's a mm-hmm. lot to be said. There's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said. Um, do you need I, that? Yeah, definitely. We'll do this. I mean, I've got all the time in the world. Yeah. Actually, no, to be fair, I am really busy too. Um, but in different ways. Yeah. It's weird. But it's my, weird how busy you can be. I know. Stuck inside. People are probably like, shut up. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I don't want to hear about your fucking busyness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, when the whole lockdown thing happened though, and it stuck with this question, it stuck with me, and it's such a stupid question, but I really want to know. I want to know about the people that have had like, have got like two families affairs what is happening what's going on double lives like i really want to know the fuck out ha i mean because i mean if i i mean i've never been in a situation where i've had two wives or like you know two families or whatever never had two wives and then you are missing out i know no i mean i've no i it was hard enough to get one husband fucking hell getting two (laughs) no way can't be asked with all that but, um, I think if it were me, I'd just choose the one with the best house. Yeah. Or the least annoying kids. Oh yeah. When kids are in the mix, go to the one who's got the least kids with the biggest house. Yes. Done. Okay. Easy. Because then even if you don't get on with them, you've got other rooms. You can, yeah, exactly. You can go into. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> that's been my pandemic question basically. Yeah. It's. It's a good one. I hope at some point somebody comes out and says, I have got two families and it's been an absolute nightmare. This is what happened. Mm. We need to know. Have you seen, um, I think it was in New York, but there was somebody who was locked in with her Tinder date. (gasps) I did hear about this. And it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I feel like they need to do where are you now? Yes. But can you imagine? Like... I don't understand how that happened either because there must have been some form of choice because surely, it's not like, uh, yeah, they, surely it wasn't like a, from now, don't, it wasn't, was it from now, do not leave your house. Kind of like you've got an hour or so. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. So, and you would think you wouldn't go and meet somebody on a Tinder date no, more than an hour away. No. Maybe it was fake news. Maybe. I mean, mate, it could have just been an excuse to like to just stay there. Stay there. Maybe they were a really good lay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, I really want to see. I can't wait to see all the 
like TV series and like films that come out of this. Yeah. It's um, human behavior and the way that it is affected by this is very interesting. Very interesting. I'm actually writing something myself about it at the moment. Um, so maybe we'll do another podcast on that. Mm, yeah, that would That's be cool. That would be cool. If you ever need an extra, or if you're in it, a body double. I'll be a body double for you. <laughs> yes, please. If you need someone to jump off a building or something, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> Any way to crack my way into show business. <laughs> there she is. Just jump off a bridge. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for like spending an hour with me and chatting about this um where can people find you before we go um like i said at the moment i have to be honest i'm distancing i'm socially distancing from social media a little bit but generally instagram so elizabeth morris underscore 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 kind of like just one long line one big long line or on twitter but i don't really use twitter as much elizabeth morris so I'll put all those in our show notes um, yeah. so people can come and have a chat if they've got any questions about variety yeah. or being ginger. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll be in ginger. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. And um, we will be back at some point. I've hopefully lining up some in pretty good guests fingers crossed i'm relying on the fact that lockdown is making people really bored and they want to talk to people um so yeah so hopefully we've got some good guests coming up make sure you subscribe give me a rate and um as always find me on instagram it's mj andrew same on twitter and we'll see you again soon bye bye